Hey everybody, it's Charles from HumbleMechanic.com. Today I'm taking your questions on gas caps, fuel filters, carbon buildup, and more. This is episode 214 of the Humble Mechanic Podcast. Remember, in order to get a question on a show like this, email me, charles, at HumbleMechanic.com. Put question for Charles in the subject. At the top of the email, ask your question, just one or two sentences. Enter down and then give me the details. That helps me out so much when I'm answering your questions. Also, if you don't hear a question on a show like this, be sure to check out the quick videos playlist on YouTube where I do one question per video. For those of you that are listening to the show on audio only, you're gonna get five total questions and the video version is only gonna get four. I'm trying to change things up a little bit and do some testing to see what works best. Hey, before we get into the show, I wanna remind you guys, if you like the work that I'm doing for you and wanna help support the show, as well as get exclusive content and discounts that you're not gonna get anywhere else to places like Eastwood, Black Forest Industries, Eurowise, MT Knives, Sonic Tools, MyCanic, and more, check out the crew membership program. This is a premium membership that gets you a ton of those discounts that I just mentioned, as well as more, and you get access to the VW Audi training manuals that I build for the classes that we teach. So those are 355 bucks a pop, and you get them all included as downloads from day one. As always, there's links over on the blog at humblemechanic.com and down in the description. All right, with that wrapped up, let's get into the questions. First one comes from Mikkel. Should I be worried about carbon buildup? I got a 2017 GTI with about 12,000 miles on it, bought it in late 2016 as a model year 17. I drive it mostly in comfort. I see a fair bit of soot in the tailpipes, so I can't help but wonder if it's getting gunked up with carbon or other buildups. Love the podcast. Thanks. Okay, so the 17s and, and 15s actually, going all the way back to 15, didn't really have a huge carbon buildup issue, but we're only really two, three years out, and some of those carbon issues, at least widespread, like at a big scale, took a little bit longer than that. So the truth is we don't know quite as much about the newest generation GTIs and, and two liter turbos as we did about the old ones. And even with what we learned about the old ones, that didn't happen right away. It did take some time. If you're seeing soot in the tailpipe, you very well may start to have carbon buildup concern. Make sure you're doing good quality oil changing and using the right oil. Make sure you're using good quality fuel. Yes, the fuel does never, ever, ever hit the backs of the valves, but with good quality fuel, you should be keeping the combustion chamber cleaner, which is going to make, hopefully anyway, for a more complete cleaner combustion, which should lead to less crap downstream. So you wanna take a look at that. You know, the other thing, I'm just thinking when you mentioned soot on the tailpipes, this is why companies are designing and building these fake tailpipes. You know, you'll see in the bumper uh, a chrome bezel where a tailpipe comes out, and it's not, it's just a, empty chrome bezel because it always looks nice and they don't have to worry about that soot. The soot will get built up and the actual exit of the exhaust behind the bumper. Odds are going forward that the GTIs and all the direct injection engines that are not going to be dual fuel, which those are starting to come. I think there's one or two, maybe Ford has it and I think Audi has it on their newest, one of their newest engines. Until that's widespread, carbon buildup is going to be a concern. Regardless of how awesome you do with maintenance and what kind of fuel you use, it's going to be a concern. The flip side is our Tiguan, which is knocking on the door of 30,000 miles. It may actually already be there. I pulled the manifold off a few thousand miles ago, always used mid-grade fuel, only changed the oil at 10,000 mile intervals, and it had about the amount of carbon buildup I would expect. So I would also recommend, um, instead of always driving it in sport mode, 
drop it down or in comfort mode, drop it down into sport and open it up, you know, blow the junk out of it, Italian tune up, whatever you want to call it, blow the crap out of it, being safe, of course, and obeying all local laws um, and, and do that. I think that does really help. Look, these cars are meant to be driven. They're meant to be driven. Spirited is the word I like to use. So make sure every once in a while you are doing that. Short trips will increase the amount of carbon potential uh, on, on the backs of the valves. I actually need to pull the catch can uh, and see, see how much junk is in mine, but I don't do a lot of short trips with that car. It's 15, 20 minutes at minimum. So be conscious, be aware of it. BG makes a really good fuel treatment product called 44K. Volkswagen makes a really good fuel treatment uh, as well that we were putting in cars all the time as a first step for repair on cold start misfires. But I wouldn't, I'm not gonna tell you that you're never gonna have this. My guess is in fact that you probably will until the design is fixed, until the engineering behind it is fixed. As long as we're running these engines this way, this is most likely anyway, always gonna be a problem. All right, next up is from Ariel. Hey Charles, I'm a big fan of the show. I have a 12cc and my fuel cap failed, my check engine light came on. And I have the option on my dealership to buy a new seal or the entire cap. Replacing the seal only works, question mark. Or is it better to go with a new cap? Any suggestions? Thanks. Uh, okay, this is, this is a two-sided one. Can you just replace the seal and fix the gas cap? It really depends. Is the actual seal what the problem is? Can you look around that seal on the fuel cap and see a cut in it or where it's distorted or something like that, then you might be able to be okay with the seal. But for me, I would put a gas cap on it. There's a couple of different styles of gas cap. You have the old kind where you just put it in and turn it and it clicks and that's it. Or you can keep clicking it around and it'll click forever. Those, those I would be more okay with putting the seal on. There's also the newer style gas cap where it actually has moving pieces inside the gas cap. When you install it and twist it, it has actually a piece that holds the cap, a collar, and then the inner portion of that cap twists and locks in. So there's more than one seal. If it's that one, put the new gas cap on it. You know, my gut says put the new gas cap on it anyway. It is a part that is taken off and put back on a lot and they can wear out. Despite the fact that we feel like a gas cap shouldn't be a wear item, think about how many times you take that gas cap off and put that gas cap on throughout a year, 50 times, 40 times, it depends on how, you, how much you drive, once a week, you know, every other week, whatever, it gets a lot of wear and tear. So I would go ahead and put a gas cap on it. All right, next up is from Tony and it's about fuel filter replacement. Hey Charles, I have a 13 Passat TDI. The fuel filter is only 30 bucks on Amazon and it seems so easy to replace. A few bolts, clean out the canister, install the filter, fill with fresh diesel. However, Opinions are split. Some say the above method is fine. Others say stick to the service manual and prime the system with VAGCOM. What's your take? Do they even bother with VAGCOM at the dealership? Um, Tony, good question. So we do use VAGCOM at the dealership, but most people pretty much just use the factory scan tool because it does more, because it's required for warranty, because usually when you use VAGCOM, unless you know exactly what you're doing, you can end up fiddling around longer than it would take to just use the factory stuff. To your question, yes, there are two opposite ends of the spectrum. There are the official answer, which is follow what the repair manual says. Follow what the owner's book says. Do not vary or stray from that any way at all, period. That's, you know, right-hand side, side A. 
Then there's side B and really more the real world. What are you doing in the field? I can tell you that I rarely primed fuel filters on these TDIs. And the reason why is that it was already full of fuel. What I would do is I would take the old filter out, right? I'd drain it back into the canister. I wouldn't empty the canister at all unless there was like a ton of debris in it or something like that. Anything that is in that fuel that got filtered by the filter should be held in the filter. I would take the new filter, I would put it in because it's got the little pintle, you put the filter onto it. I'd lower it slowly, slowly, slowly down into the housing. I'd zip it down, replace the seal if it has a seal, if it's that style, and then do the rest of the work on the car, whatever I had to do. When I got ready to start the car, I would turn the key on, I would shut it off. I would turn the key on, I would shut it off. I would turn the key on, I would shut it off. This effectively primes the system. This will finish filling the fuel filter housing. Even when you go through the priming procedure, let's say you weren't doing a fuel filter, because I think you can go either way with this. Most dealer guys don't use VAGCOM for replacing the filter. They just make sure that they prime it as best they can. Even when you use the bleed procedure or the fuel empty procedure, uh, removing air from the system procedure with the scan tool, the car never starts on the first go. Let's say we put a fuel system in it, everything fuel touches, which we've done a lot of. As soon as you prime that, right, it's supposed to fill the system and get all the air out. It doesn't. It doesn't, because you always have to crank it longer than crank, crank, fire. It's crank, 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 fire, or even longer, depending on, depending on how many times you ran that, that bleed. When we run the bleed, we're supposed to run it three times on fuel system replacement, and we do that. We do that every time because you can cause severe damage. But if you're just doing this as maintenance, you really don't have to do it. Drop the filter in. Make sure that you cycle the key a few times. That should fill that bowl back up, that fuel filter housing back up. And I've never had an issue. I've never heard of an issue. And at the dealership, we replaced... I'll go back in time. We don't didn't do it too much right before I left. We replaced a crap ton of fuel filters. A lot. The diesel customers were our best customers. I'm gonna try not to go on a VW rant here. The diesel customers were our best customers. So they were the ones that almost always did the recommended maintenance, fuel filter being one of them. And I never ran into an issue, never saw any failures because, directly because, a fuel filter housing or fuel system wasn't primed on fuel filter replacement. Those systems had all the problems all on their own, regardless of what a technician did inside a service station. But if you're emptying that can, you do want to make sure that it's full of fuel because it'll take that pump a second or two before it fills that up. And you really don't want to pump air or scavenge the injectors, scavenge the fuel pump, um, high pressure pump. So if you're emptying it, you probably want to do more key cycles. Um, but if you're just doing the filter swap, which is how I always did it, like I explained a minute ago, don't worry about it. You really don't have to do it. All right, for you video guys, this is the last one of the day. What's the best way to troubleshoot P0221 code on a Mark V TSI GTI? Hey, Charles, been watching your channel since I became a VW owner. I have to say it's amazing work. Thank you. Appreciate that. Purchased an 09 GTI about six months ago and been slowly working through all the issues the previous owner left me. Still haven't gotten to the AC, which was hell in Texas summer. I bet. Fix the air conditioning. Yeesh. Um, I'm, I'm delicate when it comes to air conditioning, so uh, yeah, I wouldn't have suffered through it. Anyway, check engine light came on, scanned it with a cheap scanner, and I got a P0221. I shifted into third, I really don't remember, and as soon as I let the clutch out, uh, the light came on. 
Okay, so what is, there's some other information um, about this, but I'll tell you, Carson, um, don't worry about doing too much diagnosis first. There is a known issue with this code. This is a code for the throttle body, one of the potentiometers in the throttle body. It's gonna be one of three things. It's going to be a bad throttle body, which don't jump right there. That's usually not what it is, but I have seen some of those fail. So it could potentially be a used, uh, a failed throttle body. The bigger thing, and the next two things kind of go hand in hand. One is there's a technical service bulletin about repinning the connector at the throttle body. You're actually extending the wiring just a little bit and replacing it with new connector and new terminals. What happens sometimes is that connector gets loose or the connection, the wire harness gets pulled a little bit and it breaks the contact. The connection at the throttle body is one of the most importantly critical connections in the entire engine compartment. This is, this is a super known issue, it's ultra common. You're gonna wanna do that repin first. It's six wires, it's one connector. If I could find the TSB, I'll try and put a link or uh, at least explain it out in the description, but I don't know if I'll be able to find that. But if you search that P0221 code, you'll find that most people are repinning the throttle body. In fact, if you go to the dealership, they probably have a kit or they can put together a kit for you to do the work yourself. This is not a cheap repair. Those wires are expensive, the seals are expensive, the connector's pretty cheap, but that is most likely what you're gonna have to do. The other repair, and it's usually if that doesn't fix it, um, is a wiring harness. And we would just put the whole engine room harness in it. It's cheaper than running or repinning six wires all the way back to the ECM and finding splits and splices that you may need to account for as well. And typically these were all under either extended warranty or VW warranty as well. So uh, you, you could put a whole harness in it. It's gonna be more expensive than the wiring repair. But if you have other wiring issues in it, you know, take care of that too. The final thing is, is you really wanna make sure your battery voltage is good. Make sure your charging voltage is good. Start the car up, get the meter on the battery, make sure it reads 13 and a half, 14 something volts like that. Just to be sure that low voltage isn't what's causing your problem because I have seen that not so much on your generation car, but on the older vehicles, uh, Mark IVs, Mark V's, the voltage was low, not low enough to like trigger the warning light, but low, it would cause the throttle body to act stupid and you'd get throttle body code. So there you go, dude, repin the throttle body, easy repair, shouldn't take you more than 30, 40 minutes to do it. It'll probably take you longer to find the information, buy the parts than it'll actually do to make the repair. All right, for you audio listeners only, this one's from Keith, it says, hey Charles, I've enjoyed watching some of your YouTube videos. I have a question for you. My daughter has a Beetle convertible BDC 2.0. The motor's simply worn out from lack of maintenance, trying to decide whether to rebuild it or buy a used engine. At this point, it's got a blown head gasket and probably a cracked head. Yikes. Uh, oil in the intake manifold and eating coolant. That's never a good thing. I've seen some really low mileage CBPA engines locally for sale for cheap. Will the block and head interchange? If not, any general advice on interchangeability between blocks and heads? I'm not in an emissions controlled area, but I'd like to not have a check engine light if possible. Thanks, Keith. All right, Keith, good question. So I really don't love without knowing 100% saying, yeah, it's fine, go ahead and do it. Um, this can get really sketchy, and you know, I don't know how many people are doing head swaps on the BDC engine to the CBPA engine and, and back and forth. This used to be a really common thing where dudes would take a two liter block, put a 1.8 turbo head on it or a 16 valve head on it and have this hybrid style of engine. Of course, back then the engines were a lot simpler 
and didn't have quite as many things going on with it. I want to tell you that it's probably going to be an okay thing to do. The things I worry about are things like the BDC head is got a check valve in a certain location that the CBPA doesn't, or the oil galleys are different, or the valve angle is different on the CBPA as compared to the uh, BDC, and it's going to create a check engine light because the fuel and air turbulence is going to be wrong, then the ECM can't calculate for it, so it gets really, really squirrely. In a perfect world, you would really want to try and find that same cylinder head. I would probably be more inclined to look for that generation cylinder head, AZG, AEG, those kind of engine codes, before I went way forward 15 years or 10 years into the future to, to try and retrofit back the CBPA one. In a perfect world, yeah, it would just drop right in. Without doing extensive hands-on research, I can't tell you for sure. And anybody that says, oh, the internet says that it's fine, and hasn't actually had their hands on the parts, can't tell you for sure. Another thing you can do is you can get your VIN for the vehicle, you can call your local parts department and get the part number for the cylinder head, and then try and get the part number for one of these CBPA cylinder heads. It might be exactly the same. It very well might not. I really don't know, and again, without having them both in my hands to compare and contrast, I have a really hard time telling the world yeah, it's fine, go ahead and do it. I'm sure there are a ton of used engines and cylinder heads in salvage yards across the country or up in Washington where you are, that you could probably pull a pretty good engine out of a car that was wrecked and go that route and not have to worry so much about little knick-knacky crap things that you're never gonna think of when you're buying the parts or until it's like five minutes before you're ready to fire it and then and then you have this big problem with with the way the car runs or it's puking coolant out of one side fill in your own version of the worst possible case scenario and we really want to try and avoid that all right guys i'm going to wrap it up there questions comments you know what to do if you like the video thumbs up always appreciate that don't forget to subscribe right here on youtube and ding the bell or on itunes or on the blog at humblemechanic.com you can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Snapchat. All right, guys, thanks for watching, and I'll see you next time.